0: Amen. Church, as we continue to worship together, I'm going to invite you to take your copy of God's Word and turn with me to Paul's letter to the churches in Galatia, Galatians chapter 5. Will you join me again in thanking our choir and instrumentalists for leading us so powerfully this morning. Pray from the very words of the Psalter, Psalm 34, that come alive to us And make us sing with joy this morning that we can taste and see that the Lord is good. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 23 is where we're going to be, not only this Sunday, but in the coming weeks as we journey through the fruit of the Spirit in this summer series. Last week we looked at love, which means that we're going to, we're going to uh, give a, a real flyover over the New Testament through each of these sermons to be able to see how each of these attributes of the fruit of the spirit are displayed in the person of Jesus and the very character of God. This morning, we want to fix our attention upon this attribute of the fruit of the spirit that we know to be joy. What is joy actually? Lookout, look like. I don't know how many of you a few years ago saw the Pixar Studios, Studios movie that was called Inside Out. Uh, the main character of Inside Out, this animated film, was an 11-year-old girl by the name of Riley who hears the news that no 11-year-old girl wants to hear, which is that she is moving, moving from her cozy, comfortable home in Minnesota to San Francisco. And hearing that news, it, it creates this sort of uh, emotional crisis that she has to deal with, which all of us would could sort of imagine. And so the whole cover of the story, which is uh, Riley dealing with the news of her move, is really uh, just, just a cover to be able to get into the inside of what's going on in her emotions. And so her emotional state comes alive in each of these characters that you see on the screen. Fear and disgust and sadness and anger. But the main central character in the interior life of this 11-year-old girl is Joy. And how is Joy personified? How does Joy come alive? Well, in the opening moments of the movie, you see Joy, which is is just this manic personality voiced by the actress and comedian Amy Poehler. And she's running around, uh, really controlling the helm of of Riley's emotional state. And and she has one goal in mind. That is for Riley, this 11-year-old girl, to be happy Regardless of her happiness. Her happiness, regardless of her happenings, is at the center of her goal. She's she's boundless positivity. She's cheerful, always upbeat. Now, the rest of the story talks about how there's a role for joy to be able to see the role of sadness and the role of anger and fear. But I'm not here to be Siskel Ebert to, uh, Siskel and Ebert to sort of give you this sort of movie review. But what I want you to see this morning is, is how do we see joy in our life? Is joy, is joy something that is happiness no matter our happenings? Is joy putting on a, a smiley face in the midst of difficulty? Is, is joy just being positive and upbeat? Or is there something deeper than just the veneer of happiness? Is there something deeper than just turning our frowns upside down into a smile and putting on a happy face and being shiny, happy people? And I think the answer you would know is joy is rooted in something deeper than our happenings. In Galatians chapter five, verse 22, we read, but the fruit of the spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. We read these attributes and some of us feel as if joy is always elusive to us because we've misunderstood what joy looks like in our life. We, we think of joy as, as, the, as that song from decades ago from Bobby McFerrin. Here's a little song that I wrote. You might want to sing it Note for note, don't worry, be happy. And if joy is just a carefree, cavalier attitude in the midst of anything that you might be finding, you might find joy really elusive in your life. If, if joy is just endless positivity, if joy is just seeing the best in all of the circumstances, being a half full kind of glass guy that, that sees the best in the circumstances, if that is what joy is, it might be elusive for many of us. But when we open up Scripture, and we see the New Testament speaking to this attribute of joy, we begin to see that joy is something deeper than our happenings. Joy is something deeper than our circumstances. Joy is rooted that you can have joy and that I can have a joy, even in the midst of difficulty, even in the midst of dire circumstances with grief and sadness and sorrow, that those characteristics that are true for all of our life, that they cannot stomp out joy in your life. Jesus Would say it this way in the Beatitudes. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 4, we read, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be what? Comforted. One way that you could paraphrase this beatitude is joyful are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Uh, Jesus' half brother James, when he's writing his epistle, he comes to the first chapter and he says Count it all joy, my brothers. When you face trials of various kinds, one way that you can translate that is multicolored trials where you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness, my friends, have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. That, that joy is something deeper than our happenings. Joy is something deeper than our circumstances. Joy is something deeper than putting on a smile and being upbeat and positive no matter what's going on in your life. Rather, what we discover here is joy isn't being chipper in the face of trials. Joy is not turning uh, lemons into lemonade when you face difficulties, but rather, joy is found in the midst of our circumstances, regardless of what they are, because joy is found in the knowledge of a God who is working in and through our circumstances to shape us and to mold us to look more like him. Joy is not an advanced elective for the super spiritual saints. Joy is attainable for each and every one of us who have trusted Jesus as our Savior and the Spirit of God dwells in us. Joy is not being in a mere good mood, but rather I want you to hear this morning that joy is a ballast in our boats. Joy, Christian, is an anchor in our storms an immovable rock to stand on when the waves of life seem to capsize the very boat of our circumstances and happenings, that joy is an anchor to us. Regardless of how we feel in the moment, we have access to the very source of joy because we realize that our joy is rooted not in our circumstances, but our joy is rooted in the character of a joyful God. Jesus is with his disciples. He's talking to them about the very mission of his life, his teaching, his healing, his crucifixion, the very anticipation of his resurrection. And he says in John chapter 15, verse 11, These things I have spoken to you, all of my teaching. All that I've commanded you in the context of John 15, where he's saying, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Well, what is the nothing that you can't do? You can't bear fruit. John 15, the fruit of love and joy and peace and patience. Notice that Jesus says in John 15, I, that uh, these things I've spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. What Jesus is saying is that I've come to be able to bring to you the very source of joy, the joy that I've experienced from eternity past, I want you to share in as followers of mine. This is a staggering promise. Do you know what Jesus is saying here? He is saying that from an eternity past, The the emotional state of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit has been a shared joy. That there's never been a time where joy has not been uh, at the very heartbeat of Father, Son, and Spirit. That when God the Father looked out upon the abyss of nothingness and said, let there be light. Why did he do that? Because he was incomplete. He was insufficient. He was lonely. And the answer is no, no, and no. He creates... Out of his joy, out of the sufficiency of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in this perfect triune relationship. And then when he says, let there be, it is an extension of his joy into this world. That's why when you're reading in Genesis chapter 1, you have these summary statements at the end of each day of creation. And God saw that it was good. And God saw that it was good. And God saw that it was good in the crown of creation. Humanity itself, God saw that it was very good. The very extension of joy, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is being shared and the beauty of the, of the roaring of the Niagara Falls and the beauty of the cascading of the stars that are this canopy above us when we go out on a, on, a, on a dark night and we look up and they're shimmering and shining upon us. It is all saying that this is here out of the extension of a God who is joyful and wants to share his joy with us. Our joy is rooted in the character of a joyful God. Think about that for a moment. We think so often about our circumstances and what steals our joy from us, but note that our joy is rooted in the character of a God who is unmovable. Jonathan Edwards, who was an 18th century pastor and Many say the greatest American theologian to ever live, president of Yale for a few years, he he ponders the very character of who God is. And he says in these words that are worth our pondering, God, you're the highest good of the reasonable creature. And the enjoyment of you is the only happiness with which our souls can be satisfied. To go to heaven fully to enjoy you is infinitely better than the most pleasant accommodations here. Fathers and mothers, husbands and wives, children, or the company of earthly friends are but shadows. But the enjoyment of you is the substance. These are but scattered beams, but you are the sun. These are but streams, but you are the fountain. These are but drops, but you are the ocean. That your joy and my joy is rooted in the character of a joyful God. Paul comes to the end of his epistle where he's writing to the church of Rome. And in Romans chapter 15, verse 13, he says, May the God of hope fill you. Fill you with what, Paul? With all joy. And joy's cousin that we'll talk about next week. Peace. All joy and all peace. In believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. There are times where we feel so foreign to the experience of being in this joyful God. There are times where we feel overwhelmed with despondency and depression. And there it seems to be disdain that has overcome us. And we ask, what do we do in that moment? Sometimes the most helpful thing that you can do is to bask in the extension of God's joy. How do you do that? Go outside. Go outside. When was the last time that you were out in nature? And, and by the time you, even when it's hot and even when you're sweating, you leave it and there's something that fills you up. Take your shoes off, walk down by a creek, put your, put your feet into the, to the coolness of that water. It's in that moment that you're tapping into what? You're tapping into the, to the canvas of creation that sings the joy of a God who has created it all. At times we isolate ourselves. At times we, we go inside, but sometimes we just need to go outside into to bask in the goodness of a sunset, to be able to once again be awed by the beauty of a sunrise to be able to see the beauty of creation. I remember reading articles just about a year ago, if not longer than that now, at the at the height of, of COVID where everyone went inside. And, and what was one of the first things that you saw in the midst of the shutdown was all of these kids on bikes, all of these people going outside and walking and to hear the birds chirping in the beginning of the morning, knowing that there's no pandemic that, that captures their attention and that creation continues to sing of the glory of a joyful God as a reminder to us that your joy and my joy is rooted in a God who is unmovable. Our joy is rooted in him, but our joy is rooted not only in the beauty of creation and the beauty of a joyful God, but our joy is rooted in the assurance of our forgiveness. How do we Come into a relationship with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. How do we experience, not only now, but for an eternity, the the joy that God desires to share with each and every one of us who turn to him for salvation? There were shepherds 2,000 years ago. They were keeping their field by night and they looked up at the very stars that I've alluded to. And an angel of the Lord came to them and we read in Luke chapter 2 this glorious announcement. In the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over the flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled, understatement of understatements, with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not for I behold for behold, I bring you good news of great and fill in the blank great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Do you know what the gospel is? That that word in the New Testament, which is announced here by the angel of the Lord, that's a word that Ewangelion, is what the word is. You know, one way that that can be translated is just good news. Our joy is rooted in the good news, a, a good news that is to be heralded and to be announced that while we were yet still sinners, God the Father looked upon us and says, I want them to experience the joy that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have had for an eternity. And the only way to do that is for me to send my Son to die a death for their sins, and so when you place your faith in the forgiveness that Jesus offers, so you have a new identity. You know how Paul describes that identity? It's two words. All throughout the New Testament, you see this phrase again and again and again and again, and it's these words, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. Now, Satan He wants to steal the joy of your life by reminding you, by lying to you, by by whispering in your ears that you, Christian, are not first and foremost in Christ, but you are first and foremost in your circumstances. And this is the battle for your joy. Satan whispers, you are in your pain. You're in pain your questions. You're in the horrific thing that occurred to you in the past. You're in your sins. You're in your difficulty. You're in your bankruptcy. You're in your divorce proceedings. You're in, and you fill in the blank. And Satan says, this is your identity. And as followers of Jesus, we have to say to Satan, get behind me because I am not in my circumstances, but rather, I am in God the Father's Son. I'm his I'm in Christ. Jesus has marked you. He has marked you with his love. He has marked you with his grace, regardless of your circumstances. And when you walk in the joy of the Lord, it transforms the way you experience the circumstances of your life. Whatever those circumstances are, A few years ago, there was a front page profile of a lady by the name of Linda Wilson Allen in the San Francisco Chronicle. Out of all the places, that could give an expose, uh, uh, really highlighting the beauty of a person's life. In the San Francisco Chronicle, they profiled this Metro Transit driver by the name of Linda Wilson Allen, who was just known in San Francisco for being a person of tremendous joy. People would skip other buses just to get on her bus. Every time a person would get off her bus, you know what she says to them? She says this, I love you, now take care. When was the last time the bus driver that you were with told you that they loved you? There's something different about Linda Wilson Alan here, in the midst of what can feel like, at least from a distance, and even in her own uh, uh, story, as she's talking about some of the challenges of her work, she talks about cranky passengers. She talks about engines that break down. She talks about traffic jams. She talks about gum on the seats. But she's known in San Francisco. She's known as a person of joy. So the the purpose of the article is to say, where's the source of of her joy you know what she says she says this that my mood is set at 2 30 in the morning when i wake up when i get down on my knees and i pray to start the day she says there's a lot to talk to the lord about and she not only talks to the lord there but that conversation with the Lord, that abiding deeply with the Lord, it carries through as she, as she goes on her bus route. And, and one of the most powerful stories I heard as I was reading through this article was is one day, a Thanksgiving morning where she was doing her bus route and she was getting off to be able to celebrate Thanksgiving with her family. And she saw someone that was sitting at one of the bus stations there, one of the bus stops there. And she saw that that was a person did not have family, did not have anybody to be with. So she said, get on my bus. She takes this person home, and they celebrate Thanksgiving together. This is a person that is transformed by the Lord and is transforming the world around her because the joy of the Lord is her strength. She is an extraordinary woman of faith. That we should all look to and say, Praise God, and may her kind multiply in our midst and in our communities and in our nation and in our world. But I'm here to tell you that the same Spirit of God that dwells in her dwells in you. And the same access to the joy of the Lord in the midst of whatever your circumstances at work or at home is available to you because the Lord is unchanged by your circumstances. You are forgiven regardless of your circumstances. You are in Christ. So your joy is rooted in the assurance of your forgiveness. Your joy is rooted in the character of a joyful God. But but I'm saving the best news for last. Not only do we experience joy here on earth, but we have a future of joy that is before us because our joy is rooted in the assurance of our eternal future. If you're a follower of Jesus... If you've trusted him as your Savior and Lord, your destination is certain. It's not filled with question marks, but it is certain. Uh, John peels back the the very curtains of heaven to give us an impression of of what heaven's going to be like. And we read in Revelation 5 these words, And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in sea and all that is in them saying this, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessed and honor and glory and might forever and ever this is your future experiencing the very glory and might and honor and joy of the lord as you too will be there so think about this that every human experience of joy that you have here on earth every every taste and glimpse of joy that you have here on earth it is but a prelude And it is a foretaste of the eternal joy that you will experience in heaven. So every sunrise that you bask in and sunset, that the cascading colors take your breath away, that that is just a prelude of what you will experience in heaven. Every concert that you sit through and the very power of the music, it showers over you or or the theater production that you experience, And you just say, wow, in that moment, everything that you experience here on earth that brings about this taste of joy that that long-awaited meal with a friend that you sit and laugh and catch up That son or that daughter that comes home from being gone for weeks or months and you stay up at night way too late laughing and reminiscing about stories your grandson who you get to see take his first step Your daughter, who you get to hear her say her first words, they're always daddy. (laughs) They're always daddy. The joy that that brings to you, that wells up in this place that you can't define it, you can't encapsulate it, you can't put a definition to it, but you feel it in the very gut of you in that moment, and it wells up with pride, it wells up with exaltation and elation of the experience in that moment. It is just but a, a prelude, it's just but a foretaste of what we will experience as followers of Jesus in heaven. I was apparent parent. One of the evenings that, that is sort of like this joy-filled moment in and, and our family throughout the years has been, for me as a kid growing up and me as a parent now, is, is Christmas Eve. The presents are wrapped you can't go to sleep. There's just this excitement that you have. If you're a child, uh, your, your children are saying, can I just stay up? Can I just stay up? Can I just open them? And they go to bed and then they wake up the next morning. and They run into the living room and they begin to open up the presence. And especially when they're young, they, they might look up at you as their father. They might look up at you as a mother. They might look up at you as an uncle or a niece. And they'll say, this is the best day ever. I hope it never ends. Well, you know it's going to end. Somebody's got to clean up all this. <laughs> you know it's going to end and toys will be broken. The elation of Christmas morning will give way to sibling rivalry. It will give away to the exhaustion of the emotions. But one day, One day, every follower of Jesus will have the experience of waking up and running into a home that Jesus himself has prepared for every follower of him. And in that moment where we bask in what God has done and this eternal provision for us, we will say at the very depth of our soul, this is the best day ever. I hope it never ends. And then we'll see our Heavenly Father look to us face to face and say, My dear child, it will never end. I don't know what the circumstances around you feel like Or what they are for you. But I'm here to remind you. That Christ in you. Is the source. Of your joy. I'm here to remind you. That you're created in the image of a joyful God. And you're redeemed. To look more like his son. Here on earth. Because your joy is rooted. In the assurance of your forgiveness. And praise God. That our future is certain. And our assurance. Our assurance of joy is rooted in the future that is before us. The joy of the Lord, it is our strength. Let us pray.